Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. I said it from day one. It's going to be um, a tight race. It, sh- it should be a tight race um, the whole entire time. They, they have a good team. Um, Philly as well. The, the three teams that are competing for playoffs in this division, they they have um, really good ball clubs. Um, at the end of the day, is let's see if we can lose less than they do. Given just the the little recent skid by this team how much did you kind of put it on yourself to just stop it here today no and i think the the whole new york media and stuff like that's obviously a little uh extreme i mean it's three games um so we just win today um and then going to obviously tonight and win again tonight and that's just it i mean i know i'm sure the, the world was going crazy but i mean we're fine <laughs> It's another edition of the Talking Mets Podcast here on this Thursday, September the 8th, 2022. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you can show an Apple Podcast, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. And I want to welcome in the good folks from the fan-sided podcasting network as well as risingapple.com. Welcome to a late week edition of the Talking Mets podcast. I'm sure you guys are all getting ready for the weekend just ahead. And as I promised, we'll be coming to you. We're not going to be doing these breezy shows with retrospectives or some, you know, folksy interviews, maybe with a little nice intro. It's the go-get-it time here at the Talking Mets podcast. It's the go-get-it time for the New York Mets, and it's 
everything, all hands on deck. And when it comes to content on this podcast, it's all hands on deck as the Mets are fighting for the division title. Not necessarily fighting for a playoff spot, but fighting for a division to a four. Blah, blah. Maybe I stumbled a little bit just like the uh, the Mets did against the Nats this past weekend. Fighting for a division title, uh, but not necessarily a playoff berth. Well, you heard uh, Francisco Lindor and Chris Bassett, and I love I love Chris Bassett's comments. I mean, it's just somebody like Chris Bassett has been needed around here for a long, long, long time because I think the way he says things, the matter of fact, the dry sarcasm, the truth, not rude, not nasty at all, at all. Uh, it's just so refreshing. It's basically the way that we do things here at the Talking Mets podcast, but we do it with a more fun, little cherry on top type of situation. The sky is not falling. You know, I, I was as I was getting into Labor Day, and I contemplated doing a Labor Day show when the Mets were rained out. And I said, you know, we got to let this Pittsburgh thing play out. We got to see what's going on. But right away, it's really and Chris Bassett referenced it. Uh. The yoke that you see, that we talk about, that I've, you know, you guys make fun of it sometimes, because sometimes I say it with the Long Island E's, sometimes I say it with the Brooklyn E's, sometimes I say it incorrectly, like the you know, the egg yolk. I mean, I, I get it. My accent is my accent. I'm not going to apologize for it, but it's right there in front of you. Mets lose. Mets win on Friday after they had a nice series against the, the Dodgers. They're 6-2 and two on the homestand. They lose a couple of blah games to a last place team I told you did I not warn you these last place teams in September they're not to be taken lightly we could see this movie play out time and time and time and time again uh throughout the history of baseball not just the Mets I mean you go back in Mets history just go to 1998 and it was the Expos and the Marlins and the Marlins a terrible I think 108 lost team that year coming off their world's championship that uh you know knocked the Mets out of the playoffs because these are young players who have nothing to lose, everything to gain, many of which are fighting for their baseball lives. And a lot of times, if they're on the road, they're playing in front of big crowds, which is something every ball player aspires to uh, be part of. So, look, it, it it's all about energy. It's all about um, between the ears a lot of times. And, and just to, to take a look at these teams and say, well, these teams stink. They have scored X number of runs through the first whatever how many games – and therefore the Mets will win. You can't do that. You got to throw some of that stuff out the window. It's not all about analytics. So I warned you, and you saw that happen. But the hysterical part, and that's what you heard Bassett talk about, is all of a sudden the Mets are reeling. And you're going to hear a lot of this references. The Mets are reeling. The Mets are collapsing. The Mets choked. You're going to see, you know, how many teams blew double-digit leads. And lost the division. You know, the 95 Angels are going to come up. And the 78 Red Sox. And I'll throw, you know, whoever else is going to come up. Uh, You're going to start to see, and mainly more from the fans than from the media, the obituaries are going to be written. Trust me, the obituaries. If the Mets ever fall out of first place, even for a day, by a half a game, the obituaries will be written on this 2022 New York Mets team. You'll hear all the things they did wrong. We knew all along. This team didn't have it. We knew it. And they're all going to start the offseason. They'll start that as well. Maybe they'll call for Billy Epler to be fired. Buck, you know, Buck was, ah, Buck is, Buck wasn't what we thought he was going to be. I mean, a week ago after they beat the best team in baseball, the 96 Bulls, maybe, of, of MLB, everything was fine. And now, a week later, the world is, is collapsing. 
This is the yoke. This is the yoke we talk about. This is why it's going to take a special team, a special manager, a special owner. Maybe they have that owner. Special front office to overcome what is the New York Met curse. And I'll tell you what, it's really capsulized. And I got to give credit where credit is due. And if you're listening, Larry, I'm going to give you your name. You're out on Twitter. I don't think there's anything proprietary about this because you put it out there. But Larry Haber, I hope I said your name right, Larry. If I didn't, Mike Silat, TalkingMetsPodcast.com, no G. He writes, I'm not convinced you understand a duality, meaning Mets fans. This is what Larry said. We love this team, but we are also traumatized. And our fears date back decades. From time to time, our irrational fear flames up. Larry, I could not have said it better myself. And I promise you, as you listen to this, this is not going to be a, a show, even though it's a short, really. It's a, it's a state of the union where I'm going to go off on the media. You had, we had plenty of time. We've been doing that for, for years on this show. But I had to start there. Because Larry said it best. That irrational fear, the media knows about that fear. And they know that fear will get eyeballs and listens and clicks and, and really, and sometimes, you know, listen, it's fun. It's like back when you were a kid in a schoolyard and you poked the bear. Or you poked the person that, you know, you know you could get a goat out of because it's fun. I mean, I know today in today's society, you're not supposed to do that. Everybody's got to be nice. And, you know, it's not nice really to poke the bear proverbially. You don't want to poke a real bear. Let's put it that way. I wouldn't at least. Maybe some of you would. You'd be far braver than I. But the media loves poking the Met fan bear. They love it. I mean, Chris Russo, uh, in the back of the heyday, he used to do it to the Yankees. He'd love, you know, one of some of the best radio was after the Yankees were eliminated or the Yankees were facing the abyss, even in seasons like 1998, because Russo could, you know, take a very self-important fan base and make them feel not so great. With Mets fans, they're a, a, a woe-is-me Eeyore fan base. That you love to kind of stomp back down. Let me let me tell you this straight up because this you know the decades and I get what Larry is saying. So Larry, you know, hope you listen to the show. Whatever happened in 1987 or 1998, as I just referenced, or 2007 or 2008 or whatever disappointment as a Mets fan that you want to reference, you want to put last year up there in 2021. Go right ahead if that's what you want to do. I don't think this team is anywhere near the same as 2021, even though it's only 12 months later. But you want to do it, go right ahead. What I will say to you about that is those seasons, even the season as recent as last season, as 12 months ago, are about as relevant to what's going on right now as the bad chili you had during junior year of high school. You have a stomachache today. It's not because of the chili you had. I was a, Well, maybe you're a junior in high school right now and you had bad chili today. Did school start? So forgive me, you you jump out of the equation. You jump away from this analogy. I was a junior in high school in 1994. Zavarian High School, Brooklyn, Bay Ridge. Throw it out there, you can look it up. Go to the videotape, as Warner Wolf used to say. So 1994, they used to have, you know, different days. You could have, you know, lasagna day, big ziti day, they had chili day. Chili day is the day you probably wanted to stay away from looking back. And if you got a stomach ache, if I have a stomach ache today in 2022, it's not because of the chili I had in 1994. Just like whatever's happening to this Mets team or will happen to this Mets team, good, bad, or indifferent, has nothing to do with 2007 
1998 or 1986 on the positive side. Okay? So let's just get that out there. Has nothing to do with it. And not one of those guys in that locker room, other than the pressure that is inherent with being a professional baseball player in New York, specifically the New York Mets, uh, have any correlation to those teams. The uniforms may be in some cases the same, but other than that, that's it. Here's what I do 100% know. And this isn't a declaration, or this isn't, you know, and if you want to say I'm the jinx, and I was joking with Jastrzemski when he said on the, when he came on the show, our buddy JJ, the ringer, formerly WFAN, that he jinxed the Mets because he said the division was over before Memorial Day. That's a joke. Okay, but I know, and I'll say this, and you want to call me the mush, and you want to reference 2007, seven games up with 17 to play, whatever, you do what you got to do. I 100% know this. The Mets will either be a division winner, or they'll be a top wild card, and they'll be playoff baseball. And if they win the division, they're probably going to have a bye. I don't think the Cardinals are going to overtake them, but, you know, a lot could happen between now and the first week of October. So that's that's happening. That's that's going to be the case. There's going to be playoff baseball. We're going to have playoff baseball podcasts on the Talking Mets. I am very confident of that. Now, here's the real complication here. And it's funny because we haven't talked about this to date because I think we all were hoping that the Braves were going to come back to earth. And the Mets weren't going to have to make this decision. And you weren't, forget about the stress of a division. You really want this division. I want this division. I know the Mets want this division. It's an accomplishment. It's accomplishments for Cohen and everything. But the division is not the World Series. It's not the end game here. I mean, I'm sure all of you would love to put, if you're a fanatic when it comes to memorabilia like I am in my studio slash office over here, another little uh, banner up there that says 2022 Eastern Division Champions. You probably want a National League or I certainly want a World Series, but you like those little pennants. You want to you want to wear the shirt for a couple of weeks or whatever. But that's not the end game here. The end, it's about the long game. It's about winning a championship. And the Mets right now, because of the fact that the Braves have played 720 baseball, yes, 720 baseball, maybe they're the 96 Bulls. They're winning more, they're winning about 7.2 out of every 10 games. Since June 1st, 117 win pace. Better at that rate, they'd win more games than the 98 Yankees and the 2001 Seattle Mariners. Best of all time. Better than the 27 Yankees. So the Mets are basically facing the 27 Yankees or the 61 Yankees or a team that's on pace to be better than them. And they're doing that. They're ahead of them as of today by a half a game. And now they have the inevitable position of saying, do I play the long game here? Because it's not just about winning the division. It's winning the division and setting up their team properly and healthy for the postseason, which just got a hell of a lot more complicated because some minor league pitcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates decided to lose control of his fastball and nearly broke Starling Marte's finger. We almost had Pete Alonso out. Look, the Phillies know all about it. All I kept thinking was Bryce Harper. I'm like, oh, geez. I mean, this is about, this is probably the third or fourth near miss Marte's had, and this was about as close. Pete's had a couple of them. 
not to mention McNeil, and I'll go on and on and on and on. You know, when you get 90-plus batters hit in a season, eventually someone's bone is going to break, and, and hopefully that happens never, but it happens in Game 7 when they're up 8 nothing in the 8th inning, right? That's what you want. So you're trying to play the long game here, and even with all that, even with all the injuries they've had and they're trying to play the long game, managing their staff, the, the, two, the two aces, missing the best... Maybe the best pitcher of our generation for half or more than half for 60% of the season. The Mets have been playing in, in, in the second half. 644 baseball. 680 in July. You're basically talking about a team that's playing at the pace at times of the 1986 Mets. The crown jewel of this organization. The crown jewel. Okay? They're playing at that rate. And that may not be enough because the team next to them, and I and look, they're a good team, no doubt about it. They're the world champs. You knew they weren't going to go down quietly. Give Snitker and all those guys credit. But come on. I mean, could you have predicted a 720 winning percentage that every bad team, for some reason, can't even muster up like the Nats did, a two out of three on them? They can't have Eric Fetty have his, you know, game of the season against them? So if the Mets lose this division, number one, if the Mets lose this division, it has nothing to do with a collapse or a choke or 2007 or the Mets being the Mets. It's because they got beat, and they got beat by a team that you got to tip your cap to, just like the Giants had to for the, to the Braves in 1993 and just like the Dodgers had to do to the Giants last year, just a year ago. You win 106 games, you don't win the division, there's not a heck of a lot you could do. Yeah, you could complain, if I had this game, that game, ah, they shouldn't have lost this series. It happens. Look, the Pirates have like a 5-1 record against the Dodgers. Who, who would have thought that? So now the real challenge is the long game versus the historic run. They have a team on an historic run in their division, and it's not the Dodgers. What's more important? So, you know, somebody, our, our buddy, and I gotta, I'll give credit where credit's due. So I'm going to be about giving credit today. My, our buddy on Twitter, who I love, we go and sizzler. We, at we underscore going, at underscore sizzla. Love the guy. He's a fiery, like I love his thing. He's fiery yet peaceful. Usually agrees with 100% of what I say. And he writes, are you going to tell us the wild card round ain't so bad? And I can understand that. No, I'm not going to tell you that because it makes life a lot harder. And I'll tell you why in a couple of minutes because it's going to complicate not only your starting rotation but your bullpen, which might have been stronger because you could have thrown a DeGrom or a Scherzer in there. What's complicated is that to win the division and stave off the narrative and make the fans happy and put yourself in the best possible ranking or seating – to win a championship, you may actually sacrifice the championship. And I think that's where Buck Showalter and this team is is at because you and I know Max Scherzer. If this was game five or six of the NLDS, of the if game five of the NLDS or game six of the NLCS or World Series game, he ain't going and sitting down because of uh, a weak side. Scherzer will not go out there and pitch in a way where he does not think he could be Scherzer. He's taken, he's pushed himself off the playoff games. He did it last year. He did it with the Nats in, in the World Series and pushed himself off. 
But I don't think he wouldn't push himself through with an oblique that it may be telling him, hey, back off a little bit. I could probably survive this. Because he knows that if he pulls an oblique, he's done for the rest of the year. See you in 2023. So he's doing the right thing. That might cost him the division. If they if they they push the Grom too hard, as he's pretty much ramping, he's in April mode, not in spring training mode, but you know mid April mode. You know that could be problematic. They push Marte to come back. You know what does that do? Their starters like Pete Alonso and Lindor, they never be able to get a day off. They don't want to give them credit. They play every day. I mean, you could criticize Lindor a lot for the contract. The guy's out there every day. Fractured finger, he's out there. I mean, he's that. That's that's what an all star is all about. You know, you can never criticize that. He's not taking time off. He's not taking mental health days. This isn't the NBA here on Buck Walters Mets. There's no load management on Buck Walters Mets with certain guys. The pitchers, different story. The bullpen, different story. Position players, no. You're healthy. You got two arms and two legs. You could, uh, you know, walk and chew gum at the same time. You're reasonably competitive out there. Go out there and play. So they're going to have to make some of those decisions. You know, when you come down to this bullpen, more of those games, like you saw game one against the Pirates, where, and am I going to say his name, Dayoka? Is that how we say his name? It's funny because I, 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 it's, you watch the, and I, I watch the game and they say the guy's name and I'm saying to myself, how can I, how can I screw these names up? Bryce Montez Dayoka, right? Bryce Montez Dayoka. You have a guy like Dayoka, a live arm, but he's a minor leaguer. He could very easily be for a basically coming in and you're giving away the game on game one in the Pittsburgh series because he didn't want to bring in Adovino, blow one of his better pitchers, not have them available for the doubleheader in a game where the probability was, even against the Pirates as you went into the eighth inning, they probably weren't coming back. Playing the long game. And by playing the long game, against competition that is just playing out of their minds, you might lose the division. And you might lose the battle. But are you going to win the war? And that's the key. And that's the toughest thing right now. Because you may lose the war by winning this battle. And you may even have a worse decision to make. Because at this point, I don't think you could clinch anything before Atlanta. I think you're going to have to beat Atlanta two out of three to win this division. I do. And as you get to that final week, knowing that maybe even that final series against Miami, well, excuse me, Mets play the Nats, not Miami. Sorry, they play the Nats. It's the Braves that play Miami. You may have to pitch your better pitchers there. And if you lose, Friday the 7th, last day of the season's the 5th, you get one day off. You're going in a three-game series against the Padres or the Brewers or the Phillies. And if you use DeGrom on the 5th or Scherzer on the 5th, guess what? They ain't going to Game 3, and there may not be a Game 3. So... That might be a decision that we have a conversation with very, 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 very shortly. And it's tough because you know what? 
It makes all the sense in the world. No, winning the wild card is not A-OK. It makes winning this championship that much harder. It absolutely does. Look, I got the playoff schedule in front of me. You don't win the division, okay? You start on that Friday, October 7th, Saturday, October 8th, Sunday, uh, October 9th. You're going DeGrom, Scherzer, Bassett. Let's say you go the full three games because you got to win it with Bassett on the mound on the Sunday. Now, Tuesday, just two days later, uh, you're starting game one of the NLDS, probably against the Dodgers, let's say. And uh, Taiwan Walker or Carlos Carrasco, depending on if any of them are needed out of the bullpen, are going to start your series because DeGrom starts on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. He ain't going until game two. Scherzer uh, is not going to go to the following Friday because there's a day off on Thursday. And and away you go. And then by the time you get to Bassett on Saturday, and then by the way, game four, you know, so on and so forth, you've really mixed up your rotation. And here's the thing, without the with the no travel day, you can't even get a day's rest and say, you know, are these guys going to be available to pitch out of the bullpen? Because you're not going to be able to pitch them out of the bullpen early in the series because they're resting, and then they're going to pitch more to the middle of the series in the NLDS. So that might take them out of a decisive game. Now, you know, uh, Scherzer more so than the Grom. He's got one day rest. He's probably going to give you an inning like Noah Syndergaard did in uh, the 2015 NLDS. I mean, the vision I think we've had since Scherzer signed right after Thanksgiving was that this was going to go, you know, there was a lot of 2001 D-backs redux here where you'd go Randy Johnson, Kurt Schilling style. Now, I don't know if DeGrom or Scherzer has in the modern game that kind of, hey, let's just throw everything out there and throw everything that we have left into winning a championship. One guy's a free agent. But we'll see. So, no, it's not A-OK, my buddy, we go in Sizzler to not win the division. But guess what? You may lose the war by winning the division. So, all right, you burn these guys out. Now, if you, you, win the, you win the risk, if you win, and you get the time off, because now if you win, you basically could sit around uh, until Tuesday, October 11th. You know, you could sit around for nine days. You know, about a week, let's say. And this downside to that, sure, injuries heal, hamstrings heal, guy gets a chance to take a blow. But do you lose your edge? There's no easy answer. 2,000 Mets get into the, as a wild card, they beat the Giants, and it just steamrolls. And they won their series early, and then there was a big gap between uh, the NLCS and the World Series, and look at that. They, they might have lost some momentum. It's not the reason why they lost to the Yankees, but it could have played a small part into it. It wasn't because Benny Agbayani went on Howard Stern and said they were going to win and predicted it. So you got a, a team right now that and I gotta tell you, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna trust Buck to do this the right way. He's doing the exact right thing with Scherzer. Um, I think they gotta push the Grom a little bit to build him up because he's, he needs to be built up by the playoffs where he can do 110 pitches. You gotta be careful with some of your positional players in the sense where you don't want them to if they have like an oblique or a leg or a soft tissue injury, you don't want them to to necessarily re-injure it. But you got to push them. 
You know, the position players he pushes, the pitchers is different. I, I'm going to support what he's doing in the bullpen. You gotta, you gotta say to yourself, you don't want any of these guys to get hurt at this point. You don't want to be too cautious and wait till next year or play for next year. But I think Buck has played this, and and really at this point, you've got to ride with the way things have have gone. He's been careful with his bullpen. He's pushed them when it's necessary. He's pulled back when he's felt he's gone too much to the red line. Scherzer knows his body. And they're building DeGrom up. And if that means part of that is Trevor Williams gets to start and pushes everybody back, you're going to have to try to win those games with Trevor Williams. You know, Marte, let's see what they do. A finger is, you know, it's kind of like what Lindor had. He might be not feeling well for the rest of the regular season. Lindor didn't have his best offensive month when he had a similar injury. You can't grip a bat. It's going to be hard to hit. Certainly could take away your power. And he was on fire. And he, and I'll tell you what, he is such, I know Naquin had a nice series in Pittsburgh, but he is such an important multidimensional player to this team that that's, you know, thankfully he's not out for the rest of the year. Because that, you know, that was the conversation we're having today. Boy, that would have been a much more difficult conversation. And finally, what does Mets math really look like? You got 24 games left for the Mets, and you got 25 for the Braves. You know, the Mets go, what, they're 87 and 51. You go 13 and, uh, what are they, 13 and 12 puts them at 100. Let's make sure that I'm not doing my math wrong here. The last thing I want to do is do inaccurate math and anger uh, an intelligent fan base here. Let's go to the stands. Oh, Miami's ahead of Philadelphia. As I'm talking to you, Miami's ahead of Philadelphia. So maybe the Phillies get pushed back. You want the, My- the Marlins to win at least one game and score some runs before the Mets play them? Because haven't they lost like nine in a row and they don't score more than two runs? Because that's like Mur- that's like Murphy's Law. Yeah. So you go thir- they're 87-51. They go 13-11. and 11. They win 100 games. It ain't going to be enough. Because I don't see the Braves just going 13-12. and 12. I don't. I don't know if the Braves will – I see the Braves winning another 15 games. I looked at their schedule. Go through it. The next nine games, Seattle, San Francisco, then the Phillies, I think is your part of the schedule. Best chance for them to come back down to earth. You would think a team playing 720 baseballs due for a 400 or a 333 stretch for a short period of time to regress to the mean, but we haven't seen it. Shoot, if they had just lost three or four games instead of going on a 15-game winning streak, go 11-4, and four, this, is a, this is the Mets are like the Yankees at this point. Yeah, it's tight, but we got this. It's going to be tough. Braves are probably going to win 101 games. That means the Mets are going to have to win 102. That means the Mets are going to have to win 15 more games, 15-10, and 16-9. And you could say to yourself, well, Mike, that's, they should at least do that. I mean, look who they're playing. They're playing uh, the Marlins. Pesky team have given them problems all year. You may have another Alcantara game in there. Not this weekend, but they play them two more times at City Field. The Cubs and the Pirates, of course, that homestand is uh, the homestand that you could say, could you run the table or go like, uh, you know, 6-1? and one? You saw what happened with the Nats. All it takes, you know, these teams are no. You know, the Strowman pitch one of those games, and you know Strowman would love to stick it to the Mets. Cubs were didn't play poorly at all when they were at Wrigley Field back right around the All-Star break. Milwaukee going to Milwaukee, they're going to potentially be fighting for a playoff spot. 
I know Oakland laid down for the Bra- you know they almost beat the Braves in one game, but the Yankees went out there and and had a trouble. You don't know. I told you Daniel Murphy was on a podcast, uh, Old Timers Weekend, and he talked about when they had just had a big series uh, against the Nats in 2015 and had taken over the division lead. How they had to really refocus, and it was almost like they had to manufacture the energy that the, that team needed when they went into Miami right after that because it's a dead atmosphere. You're going to see a dead atmosphere in Oakland. You're going to see a dead atmosphere this weekend in Miami. You saw it in Pittsburgh. I mean, there was more Mets fans than than Pirates fans. And remember, the Mets fans start traveling, and these teams on their in their home ballpark are, are hearing it like at City Field. That gets them going too. There's a human element there. So basically, I'm telling you this. I think they need 100. And we said this without even really diving deep into the schedule. They're going to win. They need 102 to 103 games to win the division. That might not even be enough. I think at the very least, you got to get to 101. to be, This thing to be tied. 101. And I think to do to get to the 102 or 3, you got to beat the Braves 2 out of 3 in Atlanta. And if they don't, is the season a collapse, a failure, everything's over? It's all going to be written. It's all going to be written. But at the end of the day, it is truly about the process. And I think it's important for Buck and Billy Epler and this team just to take it day by day, play the long game with their health, not be too, you know, don't treat them like, not, I, I'm the guy who told you, don't, let's not treat pitchers like the car that you leave in the driveway all the time. Okay, it gets to a point where, especially with young pitchers, like we'll drive them up the block to get a cup of coffee, but oh, we can't go. We're not going to the grocery store. That's way too far. We, you know, there's an innings limit. And forget about going into New York City and traveling 30, 40, 50 miles. Oh, that's too much wear and tear on the car. And you look up and, uh, you know, six years into the career, the car's got 12,000, uh, you know, eight, eight, 6,000 miles on it, and it's barely been broken in. And guess what? You go up to the light and someone T-bones you, and there it is. It's gone. So it's like, what, you did all this for what? Nothing. That's how pitchers are. I'm not suggesting the other extreme, which is, let's just keep going, you know, driving this thing 15,000 miles a week and go everywhere and be hard on the brake and drive over every pothole. I'm not suggesting that. I'm saying, use sensible uh, caution. They do that with the bullpen. They do that, and, and they'll continue to do that. And that may cost them the division. But if, God forbid, you do something that hurts one of these key players, there is no margin of error anymore. You have to stay true to how they've run the pitching staff. You have to hope not, not there's not another Mitch Keller out there that's going to get a, you know, can't grip a ball and, and, and drills a guy in the wrong spot. And if the Braves are going to play seven or 800 ball, I'm telling you right now, unless the Mets are going to win every game, tip your hat to them. They were better for the 162 games. But guess what? It's all back to zero and zero once the playoffs start. Nothing matters anymore at that point. Nothing. So the long and short of it is there's the long game, there's the battle, and there's the war. I'm about winning the war. And the problem is right now I'm not so sure winning the battle will allow you, even though it will put you in a better position to win the war, uh, from a numbers or an analytical standpoint or a seating standpoint, it may put you in a worse position to get through that treacherous territory, if that sounds crazy enough. Not advocating losing the division. All I'm saying is this, and I'll wrap up with this. 
stay true to how they've managed this pitching staff, this roster, stay true to their day-in and day-out mindset. And if the way they've gone about things, a team that's probably going to win, worst-case scenario, probably wins 95 games. Everything goes bad, and they play like complete garbage the rest of the way. They're going to win 95 games. More than likely, they're going to win 100 games. If a 100, 101, 102-win team, which is where this team is probably going to wind up, cannot win the division, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be angry about it. And anybody who wants to write choke, collapse, obituaries, declarations about how this is a failure of the Mets organization, and Steve Cohen is the Will Ponds, take that column, click out of it. If it's a newspaper that you still read, throw it right in the trash or use it for a fish wrap or use it for whatever you do to wipe whatever garbage you got to wipe because that's what it's worth. 100% that's what it's worth. And that's not me trying to rationalize or be Pollyannish. That's me just giving it to you straight and being balanced down the middle as I always am. And you know what? Go get it time means go get it. But that means go get it for the other team too. And if they just go get it more than you, tip your cap. 720 baseball is what the Mets are playing against. Seattle Mariners, 98 Yankees type run. If that beats an 86 Mets type performance, doesn't mean the 86 Mets or that type of level of play stinks. Just means that wasn't good enough. All right, that's all I got for you. Hope you enjoyed this short midweek, mid to late week edition of the Talking Mets podcast. You can check me out all the time at the TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you can show an Apple podcast, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire if you want to interact with me. Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G. Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the weekend slate of games with the Miami Marlins and the New York Mets. We'll be back with another Talking Mets podcast pretty soon. Until then, stay calm, everybody. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 
91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.